0: The content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose any medical condition, replace the advice of a healthcare professional, or provide any medical
1: advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Copyright 2020, Fireteam Whiskey, LLC, all rights reserved. Welcome to the Warrior Wellness Podcast, a podcast for military members, veterans, and first responders focusing on fitness, health, nutrition, and biohacking. Our mission with this podcast is to introduce America's heroes to lifestyle habits and hacks that will help them live healthier, happier lives, and in turn, be fit enough to continue their support of their communities and country.
0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Lincoln, former Army Captain and founder of Fireteam Whiskey Military Health and Fitness. Today I'm going to sit down with James Harris, who is the author of Man, Just Express Yourself, an interactive planner and guide for men, young and old. This book is an interactive journal for boys and men who are challenged with expressing themselves in healthy ways to gain accountability in the areas of their life. James is a military veteran he served eight years and two deployments one each to iraq and afghanistan he is also a licensed mental health professional and after completing graduate school and obtaining a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling he founded a movement called men to heal which focuses on men men's overall wellness this movement initiative encourages men to pay more attention to their mental and physical health communicate effectively, and increase their knowledge of self. In 2019, James founded a place in Chesterfield, Virginia, called The Healing Hub. And at this place, there is yoga, mindfulness, business classes, outpatient therapy, seminars, and drives for the less fortunate. I asked James to be on the podcast because obviously he is out there um, fighting the good fight helping men and boys specifically with their emotional and physical health. So that's pretty much what we do with Fireteam Whiskey. Um, We have our warrior wellness uh, programs. We have our physical fitness programs. We have our nutrition programs and our coaching programs. And we all understand. So obviously, James is in this category that we understand that wellness isn't just you know, being physically fit. How many push-ups can you do? Um, or you know, what what percentage body fat you are. If you are um, at dis ease inside, so just like my favorite chaplain says, if you are in a state of dis ease, then um, you are not at ease. And it is imperative, imperative, imperative. I cannot um, say this enough. To, and I do this with all of my personal training clients with Fireteam Whiskey. It is not just about what you eat and doing your workouts and checking those boxes. That's not wellness. And every single time I have a client struggle with those things, it's because they have some sort of emotional health issues going on. They have huge stressors in their lives. Maybe they have some unresolved trauma. Maybe they have high stress jobs and they just um, have turned to very poor destructive behaviors in the past as coping mechanisms to deal with those negative feelings and negative emotions in order to push them aside um, as easy as possible and to keep going forward. So I have, um, you know, I personally have experienced trauma. I, um, you know, you guys probably know some of my story of being um, lost in the wilderness for three days, I'm out there surviving on my own in, in a national rainforest. And not knowing whether or not I was going to survive, so I still am dealing with that trauma, I still have flashbacks. Um, and it is so important for you first responders out there or um, former military veterans to acknowledge this and not just say well i just deal with it and it is so important because if you are not working on that stuff inside and getting it out it's just going to build up and it's going to turn into some nasty disease like my favorite chaplain says so i hope you just will take the time to listen to this interview with james harris well, thank you so much, James, for being on the Warrior Wellness Podcast, and um, I hope that the title of this podcast didn't push people away. I hope people um, really just took the time to, to give it a chance. I know this is a sensitive topic um, for men, but um, we are going to dive right into it. So there's so much to unpack in a short amount of time. I spent um, a couple hours looking over your book, and it's amazing, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but we could talk about the stigma of emotional expression in men and boys for hours. But mm-hmm. so first, I just wanted to ask you, what, what inspired you to write the book? And really, <clears throat> it's a workbook to help boys and men with emotional expression.
1: Sure. So, uh, I mean, I wrote it for a couple of different reasons. So I'm a therapist. I do uh, outpatient therapy as well as community-based services. Um, and the movement that I found is Men to Heal, which is a movement to get men back focused on the overall wellness Um, And from there, you know, I just get tons of questions, emails, um, requests on my social media, or either just YouTube channel videos of different people asking different questions. So for me, I was like, uh, well, I might as well just put out the content for everybody um, to have access to it, opposed to just answering um, each individual email message. Um, So I will continue to answer each individual message and, you know, comment or whatever the case is. But For me, I just figured it was a good idea to put everything in context and have it available for people. Um, So what I started doing was collecting ideas of topics that I wanted to discuss um, and or things that I use in practice uh, with my clients. And from there, I got about 65 different topics or so and then uh, started to put it together, write out my ideas. And then I thought about the concept of uh, having it interactive in the sense of them men uh, being able to write out their answers or draw their answers. A lot of people are able to, you know, articulate or express what they want to say verbally or in written format. But, you know, some people are artistic and want to get creative and eclectic and, you know, let things out. So that's how that came together. And it's been received well from. Uh, men themselves, of course, parents who gave the book to their uh, sons or nephews and stuff like that. Uh, My fellow clinicians got it in their office as a good tool. And then of course the wives, the partners, um, you know, a lot of women have been buying this book and giving it to their boyfriend, fiancés, the husbands and fathers um, in the sense of they do a couple of pages, give it back to them and they can exchange dialogue over dinner. You know, they can ask those tough questions that otherwise they wouldn't be able to ask in in another setting because their male might get offended or, you know, they might be met with conflict or something like that. So overall, it just was a tool that I thought was needed um, for the collective, the family, the man himself, the young man that's growing, trying to discover himself and stuff like that.
0: Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, no, I, and I have, so out of your answer just now, I have a couple of, uh, questions, but one statement first. I worked, um, I have the same exact license as you. Um, I'm a licensed mental health professional as well. I have the same master's degree. I worked in, um, a clinical setting running a behavioral health program in a juvenile prison. Boys ages 10 to 16 for five years. And I would have killed to have this workbook Mm -hmm. and using with my clients in our groups. Oh my gosh, I would have loved to have had this thing. So, um, but I also wanted to ask you, and this is, I've met a few people, men um, to be specific, who have come out of the military and um, gotten their uh, master's degree in counseling or social work. So, what inspired you to to go that route with your career?
1: Um, so I was an entrepreneur at first. Well, I still am. But for me, I paused entrepreneurship and uh, went back and got my bachelor's in clinical psychology. Then I started the master's track. And then after that, of course, a licensing track. But for me, it was a way to give back to my community, um, to be a voice, to be an advocate, and to just have a platform uh, for the people who look like me who don't have access. Uh, like, the field of therapy or counseling or social work, and you know all of that is pretty much still woman-dominated in a sense. You know, still not a traditional man role. Um, and me being African American, it's not a lot of African American men uh, that other men or African American men can off put stuff on or just have their comfort level to disclose certain information. Um, so, and that in a sense is. Like strides that can happen in men being more comfortable with opening up and and you know uh, having somebody to talk to and detail information with you know that cohesive bond can be made much faster than it would if he went to a woman or something like that. Um, and another sense is like my therapy journey wasn't a pleasant one when I was seeking therapy for myself, so I didn't want somebody else to have that share the same experience um so i'll take you back a little bit like when i was younger i was in a group on foster care and uh, group home and stuff like that as a water state and uh therapy was mandatory on a weekly basis uh and it wasn't a pleasant experience for many different reasons i could have been a stubborn kid but uh it also was because the therapist was this old white guy who was unrelatable you know i'm this black kid from the projects Um, So I didn't obtain as much as I could from therapy. Fast forward later, like you said, uh, military, you know, two deployments. I went to Iraq, Afghanistan, um, and I knew I was different. So I tried therapy again. And this time, again, it was still an unpleasant experience because I didn't obtain as much as I could from it. So Uh, this time it was an older white lady, no combat experience, no military experience. So it was unrelatable again. Um, And for those reasons, that's why a lot of veterans go to groups, you know, because they got that peer-to-peer, that shared experience, that camaraderie can be built against somebody who's experiencing what I'm experiencing. So for me, I didn't let those two poor instances uh, deter me because I knew therapy can be beneficial. Um, But I also knew at that time, like, oh man, like, I got to do this. I got to be the outlet because somebody is going to have one or two of those experiences and realize like, no, I'm good. I'm not going no more. You know, so I wanted to eradicate the stigma that way. I wanted to be a voice because I know what it is to be uh, that child in therapy who's not benefiting or the veteran in therapy who's not benefiting or just that man who has therapy. And so now, um, you know, my clients can... I, you know, I can empathize. I can, I was you in a sense. Um, so for me, it's been a good journey um, and it's been received well, not only by the class themselves, but the people who are vicariously around them, you know, their parents, their husband, their partners, coworkers, teammates, and stuff like that. They can see the difference.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate that you had such a, a bad experience with therapy and I'm glad you you brought that up um to you know to encourage others to keep trying and to keep looking and you're gonna find maybe that that one that you connect with but in the meantime you can you know get a book like yours and start kind of working on some of these things on your own and start exploring these things and then maybe by the time you find a great therapist you will have already done some of this work So you can kind of bring that stuff that was brought up by, you know, doing your workbook into therapy and start kind of working on some of those things. So I love that. Um, So can you give us some examples of how in general, you know, our culture stigmatizes a healthy emotional expression in boys and men?
1: Well, I mean, I guess throughout, time like society has this tendency of equating vulnerability to weakness and it's been at the detriment of of course men you know in the sense of uh trying to define what masculinity is you know putting gender roles on certain things um and it's been a hindrance it's been uh to the point that men don't want to express themselves or open up because they're going to be demonized or chastised um or perceived as you know less than a man or whatever um for displaying you know certain characteristics of one to express itself one to be open one to be validated and stuff like that when in essence all he's saying is i'm human you know i'm feeling these emotions um they should be validated as well and i i I definitely agree with that you know it's nothing wrong with um saying hey i'm having a bad day or i need to um do something else to cope outside of a substance or being promiscuous and stuff like that you know i, I need somebody to talk to or i need to just sleep or i need to uh, exercise you know um but on the contrary it's been <clears throat> so negative to where if somebody come to you it, you know it's not a lot of safe spaces so it's oftentimes Oh, you can deal with it, just suck it up, keep driving on, um, or ain't nothing wrong with you, or man up, you know, those things are pretty painful to some men. So they go the whole uh, a while with masking what's actually happened, um, opposed to something that I say often is failure feelings, you know, not just the negative ones, but the, the other ones. Um, and that's important.
0: Yeah. And, and you kind of started mentioning some of those negative coping skills, you know, uh, especially with men and boys, they're almost encouraged to start adopting some of those um, safer, you know, negative coping skills to have an outlet, you know, because you have to have an outlet. You're not a robot, but because you're discouraged from, you know, crying or, you know, being sad. Or just being down as a a male or a boy or a male, then you're almost encouraged to turn towards these safe outlets like anger and violence and drinking. And like you said, promiscuity, or even, um, you know, like danger seeking types of behaviors, you know, driving really fast, you know, on a motorcycle or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Reckless behaviors. So, um, and can you specifically talk about how? somebody who maybe joins the military or is a you know firefighter or paramedic or police officer how this kind of continues on in their careers
1: yeah so with those instances uh you got to remember like oftentimes first responders experience a lot of trauma and or grief so it can go unresolved um and they also experience depression but it doesn't I guess display or manifest itself in the traditional ways that depression often do. Um, so depression is not a gender specific diagnosis, but society has made it so to where men feel like I can't be depressed. That's a woman diagnosis. Um, but on the real, you know, the lack of interest and pleasure, the not eating, the not sleeping properly, the isolation, um, you know, mm-hmm. the Want to be by yourself opposed to hanging with your batter buddies or your uh your firefighter buddies and stuff like that like those are signs of depression but you know over time first responders in most cases get numb and desensitized to what trauma is I have to sing repeated you know whether that's images or uh going to different scenes and stuff like that um they don't process fully so now they become numb to certain things with emotion attached to them you know so that emotional emotional maturity has stopped at some point and it's hard for family members to relate such as a spouse or such as a child Um, even some of the co-workers who don't you know go I guess, in the fire rapidly, whether that's uh, on call military or firefighters or police officers, you know, so it becomes unrelatable. And they continue to do that for a period of time to where it's now taking a toll on them emotionally. Um, but they don't see it because, again, they're numb to it. They just think it's part of the job. I'm doing what I got to do. I can deal with it. Um, but the entire time, they display an irritability to the family members there. Um, you know, irate behavior, that reckless behavior, that, um, you know, they're just continue to go. And it also can lead to those physical ailments too, such as heart disease, hypertension, um, stuff like that, being easily started, which means your central nervous system is all. Uh, but oftentimes those things are overlooked um, as a first responder because you job, ah, I gotta do this because you, you know, you're placing yourself well-being um, and, and for the needs of others, which is a good thing, but you also got it to have time to uh deprocess and cope and um you know restructure what's actually taking place so you can uh continue to serve the people um on the front line if you will.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point too, because you know, your entire job is basically to desensitize and and deep, you know, not connect to, to that trauma and that horrific Mm -hmm. scene you're coming upon and to be able to function and do your job. And, you know, and I, my brother-in-law is a, a firefighter paramedic He's a SWAT paramedic too. And he, I've done an interview with him and he, he even pointed out that they don't even have time to just process, you know, they're going from one scene to another, and then they've got another call and they're going to another horrific scene. And it's like the shift goes by and it's just crazy. And then they're going, then they're driving home and they've like, they've been traumatized like nine times in the last 12 hours. And it's like, how do you process that? And it's-
1: And, And you know what happens? So when they get home, you know, everybody else get the actual context of what had taken place. Unless he, you know, go to a safe space or find comfort in a substance or something like that. Um, you know, in most cases, that's what happened. In other cases, it's displacement that's taken, you know, now they're arguing with the wife or yelling at the child or whatever, who has nothing to do with what's taking place at work. Um, so those are some of the consequences of not being able to process fully uh, those traumatic experiences or those grief experiences. So it can be detrimental if it's unresolved, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. And then the disconnection. I mean, it, most, most men, I think, You could attest to this um and i came from a a very you know kind of emotionally blunted family background as well where you know you're kind of taught well you know if you just stuff it down and don't express it and just ignore it um you know you kind of become robotic Um, But, you know, that's just the way I function in my life. Can you Mm -hmm. talk about how kind of just stuffing it down and never addressing it um, is isn't actually a healthy way of dealing with it as well. Yeah.
1: So it was not because too so some like trauma repressed trauma which means you're not dealing with it right now but in 10 to 15 years it can automatic you know just pop up out of nowhere those triggers that anxiety from that trauma that stimuli that you had thought you uh, abandoned you thought you you know was over automatically or something happened you know and it happens all the time not just uh, with first responders but of course with uh, sexual assault victims you know they Ignore it. They try to move past it, but twenty years from now, they're in a the grocery store and they smell a fragrance that the you know uh, perpetrator wore, and now all of a sudden they distraught. You know, and the same thing can happen with first responders. Um, you know, they arrive on a car accident scene and everything is a normal day. You know, they going about that day, but you know who knows from now they see that resemble and then they get back into that nervous state. They're easily agitated or, you know, hypervigilant and stuff like that. So those things are actually um, real issues that people deal with. So by not dealing with it, you're not dealing with the issue. You know, you have to face it head on in most cases. Um, And that's a part of processing. So you have to find a safe way to process that. And it can be by talking with somebody or by, you know, simply letting out your feelings through self-care and stuff like that. But just to ignore it all is not a healthy way because you didn't deal with it and it can present itself later um, in another form. That can be potentially detrimental, um, you know, because you can be somewhere with your family or somewhere with your friends uh, at a funny, safe function and all of a sudden you're easily triggered. Um, and now, you know, you're, you're, you're gonna look like the outcast because everybody's gonna wanna know what's going on. Uh, but you're going to resemble some that happened previously, whether it was a month from now or a year from now. And a lot of people don't know what uh, PTSD, uh, before PTSD is acute stress disorder. Acute stress disorder is one, anything traumatic that's happening within a month, anything above a month is PTSD. So it can be a month and a day, it can be It can be 10 years, it can be 50 years. And trauma, we each have different resiliency levels. So the way I process or the way I uh, go through my traumatic phase doesn't mean that's the way you have to. So it can be two paramedics, it can be two soldiers, it can be two SWAT officers arriving to the scene at the same time, and both of them have different traumatic experiences. One can have a traumatic experience to where he's distraught immediately, and the other one can you know, go on about his day, come back to work the next day and be ready to go locked and loaded. Um, But many years from now, it can happen in the reverse that now officer that didn't deal with it at that present time, you know, is now having symptoms of that traumatic event that's happening uh, those many years ago, or, you know, they're finding ways to not deal with it by, of course, uh, substituting it with a substance or something.
0: Yeah, you're right. And I love that you brought up the the physical ailment. So, you know, even if it's not manifesting in a, uh, you know, in a behavior or, or, you know, having anger outbursts or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, you may start, you know, experiencing maybe some, some chronic medical conditions um you know, can even result in high blood pressure and high
1: blood pressure. Uh, the hypertension is definitely big. Diabetes, mm-hmm. um, central nervous system is off. You know, you're you're shaking your leg. You're getting headaches and stuff like that. Tightness in chest. All of those are signs. Um, uh, for a long time, people and the mind was separate, but now they can go tandem with each other and cause not only the physical pain and hurt and uh but they can cause the mental pain and hurt as well uh so overall wellness is the key not just one or the other
0: exactly and like my favorite my favorite army chaplain says if you are not in a state of ease you are in a state of Mm disease so i quote him all the time on that so um what i i loved about your book is that it's not just a book it's a workbook and you have the opportunity to reflect and initiate, you know, some of the concepts that you just read about, like right away. I love that about your book. And it doesn't just say, well, write your feelings here, you know, about this topic. You you address some key topics that kind of link all of these things that you would never kind of think of related to your emotions. And there's I mean, there's so many of them, and I, I'd love to cover them all, but obviously we can't do that. But I want to cover just a handful of them. So, okay, the first one that that jumped out to me, of course, was trauma, which is what we've been talking about, and um, I, I think it, you could probably maybe speak to this. I think men even resist accepting and acknowledging. That something that they've experienced and been through is quote unquote trauma. And even just acknowledging that taking that first step might be very hard for men and boys.
1: Yeah. So again, trauma is one of those things. If you don't, like deal with it, it can become complex trauma and it can also affect the people vicariously around you, not just you. But oftentimes men, first responders and stuff like that uh, become numb and desensitized. So it has to be something that you're on top of that you're addressed. Um, and again, trauma is one of those things that you don't have to be directly impacted it can be something that you witness. Uh, So again, for us soldiers, for the first responders and stuff like that, going into the line of duty, uh, whether you're a police officer, a fireman or a soldier, like those things can have lasting impacts um, on you, you know, just based on what you're seeing and what you're doing. Um, But again, also people have different resiliency levels, so it it can affect you differently then it affect your battle buddy next to you or your, uh, you know, your SWAT buddy next to you. So uh, address it the best way you can, process it the best way you can and don't be afraid to seek help.
0: Yeah. And even just, just you know, just the fact that you acknowledge that mm-hmm. it, it was a trauma, you know, that that may help you take that next step. Because I, I know, you know, from my experience of working with um, firefighters is, you know, it's just, well, you know, I, I say, "Okay, well, you know, how was your last shift?" Oh, you know, we had two people die, you know, there was one child who was just horrendously, you know, harmed and uh, you know, and they it, they just had all these trauma exposures and then I just mm-hmm. point out, "Wow, you know, you had four different traumas within like 3 hours." And you're yeah. like, "What are you talking about?" No, that's just, you know, it was just it, yeah, I, we were we were busy and it, it sucked, but, you know, I was just doing my job. Just to acknowledge like hey, this is not a normal circumstance. You are, you were exposed to this horrific event and take just a second to step back and say, geez, that, that was horrific. That, that touched me, even though at that moment in time it didn't, but to just sit back and go, you know what? God, I mean, that, that kind of affected me inside and I need to kind of work on that and acknowledge that. So I love that, that you had that in there. Um, The second one I want to talk about was crying. So (laughs) this one's deep (laughs) for guys. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about the stigma behind crying and, and how it affects our ability to, to express ourselves in a healthy way?
1: Um, Oh, man, I wish we had more time. But specifically, a lot of, a lot of people associate with uh, tears with, of course, being weak or you're soft and stuff like that. And it has a lot of people to bottle up their feelings and emotions, specifically men. Um, and a lot of people don't know that tears are actually healthy. Um, you got three different type of tears, actually. You got the reflux tears, you got continuous tears, and you got emotional tears. Um, so it's definitely benefits to crying but from a societal standpoint if a man cries he's weak or he's soft or whatever the case is Um, and of course this media and social media and stuff like that will have you thinking that men are supposed to cry you know and it's started at a young age you know if this three-year-old falls off his bike the first thing that male figure in his life and say no boys don't cry don't do that or even his mom in some cases um, which is unfortunate and now he grows up his entire life thinking that crying is wrong and associating uh, this with the emotion of I have to I have to you know be brave I have to not express that 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 make me look weak Um, and again it's become to the detriment of this person who now is a father himself and you know that cycle is probably going to get repeated when his young boy does some similar fall or you know bumps his knee or something like that don't cry you'll be okay you know wipe it, you know keep it going um when actuality is just a kid expressing emotion to pain you know so we have to address the pain for what it is
0: and so you know, it's, it's just been hard there's there's a but, you know i kind of think and i you know i'm not a biologist of course but I think about gosh, there must be a biological need, right? I mean, otherwise it we wouldn't have that mechanism. We we wouldn't cry. You know, sure, we'd feel upset and sad, but you know, this this additional step wouldn't happen. So there must be some sort of biological drive behind the need to to physically, you know, kind of well, yeah, that catharsis so almost.
1: Those type of three tiers that I mentioned. So the reflux tiers actually are tears that push out the debris. And let's say you're in the kitchen cook and then it's smoky, like your eyes start to water up. So those are your reflux tears, actually. The continu- continuous tears um, are those ones that lubricate your eyes, you know, that keep your eyes moist so you're not just walking around with dry eyes and stuff like that. But the emotional tears is where people often confuse with the the issues like, oh man, you you saw for your crybaby or you cry weak or whatever the case is but biologically yes we have tear ducts for a reason and they definitely helpful like even if you are um let's say you're walking outside with the wind blowing and a or dirt or something blowing your eye the first thing you're going to do naturally is blink real fast your eyes are going to water up to push that debris out um so it is a, a reaction but it's demonized and looked at as a, a bad thing when somebody uh this big gloaming male uh is crying you know especially over a heartbreak such as a breakup or a loss of job or uh, you know uh, a death or something like that
0: yeah yeah and uh I, and a little personal story here i i had been with my <clears throat> my husband now um at the time he was my boyfriend we'd been together for about five years and my father passed away Mm -hmm. and um i actually was there um standing you know over his body um until you know somebody came to to pick him up and um my boyfriend at the time came and he he just kind of hugged me from behind and it was the first time i had saw him cry and I, told, I tell him all the time, that's the moment I really realized that that I that I was in love with you because you cared enough to express that feeling and be with me in that grief on that day and to express it, you know, not to try and, you know, say everything's going to be okay or not to try and fix it and be a typical man, right? You know, mm-hmm. but to just be with me in grief. So, yeah, you know, those... he,
1: he was vulnerable with you at that moment,
0: right? He, and
1: he gave his true self and you mm-hmm. accepted it.
0: Yeah. So just, just an encouragement out there for, for you guys listening, you know, that can really be so beneficial to your relationships, you know, to just have that moment of vulnerability with your partner. So the last one I wanted to talk about was healing and you capitalize H E A L. And I thought that was really interesting. So I wanted to talk to you about that. So can you talk about what the definition of healing is and and what it means to work on this?
1: Yeah. So Well, I capitalize it because uh, that's like one of my favorite terms. Um, And if you look at my logo, it's also underlined. You know, uh, to me, that's pretty much uh, getting centered back to like who you are as a person. Um, You know, you need to like repair things that have probably been damaged. You know, you're getting back to like the actual focus of who you are, you're breathing, you're, you're confident, you're growing within yourself. Um, so healing is definitely a much needed process to repair things that have been potentially damaged or things that you're trying to overcome. Um, but to me, that's what it is. Uh, and there's so many different ways that you can do that. I actually have a healing video that's going to be coming on my YouTube, um, in a couple weeks or so.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that the, the, the point that I would love for people to, to understand if you're still listening is, you know, there, there is hope. Like one of my friends says, uh, there's hope the body heals, but there is hope the mind heals too. So, you know, no matter what you've been through, um, there is an opportunity to heal. It may take some time and it may take a lot of work and a lot of effort, but when you do things like this, like, you know, get James's book and start kind of opening up these doors and, and doing this, these kind of little mini exercises and take those little baby steps towards your long-term path of healing, but you Mm -hmm. can get there, but you do have to do the work to, to get there. It's not going to just magically happen. Um, so the last thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, who should get your book, you know, who is this book for and, and how can they benefit
1: Oh man. Uh, So, to be honest with you, this book is a great tool for everybody. Uh, My fellow fellow clinicians, such as yourself, should get this book, stick a copy in your lobby, and it's going to be an instant conversation starter. Um, That parent with the teenage son who's on that self discovery journey or that journey of just, you know, you want something better for your child, this is a good tool for him. He can get this book. He can. Uh, do it now and then next year he can flip back through it and see how much he's grown or see if he's still triggered by the same things or see what areas he needs to improve in within his life. It's a tool that he can grow with. Um, And it's also a tool for the man himself to get, you know, if he just wants to uh, learn better coping skills, understand what affirmations is, challenge himself on conflict resolution or um, coping skills and stuff like that. But this is a helpful tool for the wives, the partners, um, this is a good tool, again, for you to get failed in your life. Give it to him. Let him do a couple pages and then he'll give it back to you. And you guys can process those pages or different information in the book over dinner or a date night because any other setting potentially, you know, conflict can, can arise or you can be met with resistance if you start asking about emotions or traumas and stuff like that. But if it's done in an exercise to enhance you guys' relationship, uh, he'll probably be more uh, acceptable and open with you to discuss those uh, details of what's taking place, because oftentimes it's not something uh, that's going on now that he's probably troubled by, but something in his past or something that he didn't feel that he wanted to address. Um, so it's a good tool for you know, again, the the, the parents, the wives, the uh, male organizations, of course, the um, the men themselves. Yeah, and the clinicians.
0: I love that suggestion, too. And and um, I just I thought of that, too, when I was looking through your book yesterday, I was like, gosh, this would be a really interesting kind of date night thing to do mm-hmm. with your partner is to just take one chapter. You know, the chapters are really short and to read through it together and then do the do the questions, do the exercises, write them out and then discuss your answers. And that can kind of just open the do- door to you know, maybe some further discussion, or even just understanding, because I think women also, you know, I can speak for myself, certainly, because I had such a, um, you know, I had the typical kind of robotic, you know, dad who, who never showed any kind of vulnerable emotion, except for anger, the, you know, the only mm-hmm. acceptable one for a man, you know, I think women also kind of fall into that stereotype as they they don't ask those questions either. They don't sit and and listen and and you know kind of create that safe space for the male in their life, um, or their their child, their their male children, to be vulnerable and to to not provide judgment or not to provide you know that sort of feedback that they're used to getting, that makes them repress it. So I think women, you know, this would be a good book for women to get too to to be able to just. Ask those questions in a in a non confrontive, non judgmental, you know, very safe way.
1: Yeah, I had a couple who's been married forty three years, and his wife uh, messaged me and said, "This is the most her and her husband." ever talked about things uh consistently in you know probably those 40 some years they were married Um, because again they did it at a date night so he was open to the experience opposed to her just at a random day coming in asking hey what's wrong with you how come you shut down or you know tell me about uh traumas and stuff like that because of course it's something that he don't want to potentially talk about now whether that can be anybody you know it could have been reversed um a lot of people don't want to talk about certain topics but of course if it's a tool to enhance you guys together they'll be open to it he doesn't feel ambushed um he's open to the idea of enhancing you guys relationship so with her uh emailing me that uh, it just was a um a joyful thing because you know they've been married longer than I've been alive, and for them to benefit uh, from this was awesome. So it's it's been a good journey.
0: I love it. Yeah, amazing. Such such great ideas for. I mean, really, this book is for anybody. So, mm-hmm. um, so the the book, "Man, Just Express Yourself," an interactive planner and guide for men, young and old is available. It will be, uh, I have, will have all the links um, in the show notes for this podcast and for this video. And James, thank you so much. That was a really awesome discussion on a, you know, kind of a, a sensitive topic, but I'm so glad that you're out there fighting the good fight and, and helping men to heal.
1: No, I definitely appreciate it. Uh, con- good luck on everything that you're doing. I appreciate your invitation. Hopefully people did gain insight um feel free if you want to hit me directly mental here.com send me an email my social media is there um, my youtube link is there also if you need um just different videos or a way to start a conversation you know the book is a good tool but of course there's other videos on there as well on trauma grief um you know communication just different stuff like that that you can benefit from if you want to assist a loved one
0: yeah thank you thanks james
1: all right
0: enjoy your day hey guys thanks so much for tuning in for another episode of the warrior wellness podcast make sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a review while you're there you can send a screenshot of your review to info at fireteamwhiskey.com and your address and we'll send you a little thank you gift just for leaving us your feedback about our podcast We will see you at the next episode.